Hello and welcome back to another Guidance From Within episode. I am your friend and host, Brittany Woods, bridging the seen and unseen worlds of our reality. Our special guest today, I have been so looking forward to this conversation, Paula Victoria. You can find her, go ahead, pull up Instagram, type in P, like the letter P, dot is for palmistry, and that is her account. You'll see her hand with the yellow logo. Please follow her. You do not want to miss the insights and the really fun stuff that she is offering. We are going to talk about all things palmistry today. We're going to talk about her story and how she uh, became a palmist, the history of palmistry itself and how it varies around the world, how palmistry is seen uh, through a different lens throughout cultures in the world. We also dive into a little bit about um, mediumship or psychic abilities and we also dive into the future of palmistry and what that might look like the importance of the work that she does and why it is so helpful and why it is such a helpful science for people to be aware of. And what's fun is if you're watching on YouTube, yes, this is available on the Akashic Almanac YouTube channel, you will actually see us chat. You will see our faces on Zoom and you will see our conversation and you will also see kind of her her little tips and tricks for palm reading and she shares with us a really cool uh kind of at home exercise that you can do for yourself i'm not going to spoil it you'll have to listen to the podcast or finish watching the video in order to know what that little fun activity is so i hope you enjoy this as much as i have enjoyed having this conversation with paula enjoy I am so excited to start chatting with you today about palm reading and the work that you do. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited uh, today to be speaking with you and to have this opportunity and platform to talk about my work and how I got here. Yay! The guidance from within audience is going to love this. I already know. Like, I already know they're going to love this episode. <laughs> We've had a variety of healers and like a shaman and yoga instructors, but never a palm reader. And I wanted to start off and tell you and whoever's listening, like, why I feel so drawn to getting to know you more and the work that you do. In 2016, during my yoga teacher training, I went to India. I was in Rishikesh, India. And me and a couple of my friends were walking through these narrow streets in India. And we saw this jewelry shop. There are a lot of jewelry stores in like mm-hmm. all these streets. But for some reason, we went into this specific one. And as we go in, we meet um, the person at the counter, this young man. And I, I forget his name. I think it was like Nishu or something. and. He was like, oh, welcome in. Where are you from? From the U.S., uh, Norway, right? And he's like, oh, well, let me see your palms. I'll read your palm. And that was the first experience I had with a palm reader. And so I gave them my palm, and he was saying, oh, you're a writer. Like, you're a writer. You're going to be such a great writer. You're going to have two children. One of them might be from Jupiter or wherever. Like, their sign will be Jupiter and... uh, he also told me like many people are going to follow you in the spiritual work. And at this time I was, I had just turned 21 and I was in college and uh, he's saying you have these chakras are open or no, he told me you have nine chakras. Most people have like seven or eight, you have nine. And I was like, what Oh, <laughs> what are you saying? And so <laughs> the funny thing is I was like, well, everyone actually has 12 chakras. 
because my esoteric healing background, I knew the energetics of the body. And so I said, well, everyone has 12 chakras, but that doesn't mean all 12 are open. Right. Oh, interesting. Uh -huh. So we kind of had a little argument, but that's what he told me. That's all that I remember. And so I'm like, well, whatever he was reading in my hand, I have no idea, but yeah. That is so interesting. And I mean, I know that uh, Vedic palmistry is very popular in India. I'm not as familiar with that type of palmistry, but it's really interesting to hear what he said about um, your palm. Um, and then I know you sent me a photograph of your palm the other day because I was curious and we talked about maybe discussing different uh, lines or symbols on the palm. And a lot of what you said does show up on your palm for me too. So I just think it's really interesting the crossover. Um, I don't, is it okay with you if I kind of share that? I know that we were talking about, um, maybe discussing a little bit about that on the podcast, but I don't want to blast you out <laughs> without no, your permission. I would love to. And you know, what's going to be really fun for me is like, you, like you said, there are different kinds of palmistry. Mm -hmm. So if you want to share with us kind of the style, your style, maybe a couple of different ways, like I'm sure the man that I met, you know, was Vedic, Vedic. His, his lens of reading palms was probably very different than your lens in a way of how he learned. Um, and also, I'm sure that a bit of intuition goes into reading a palm. I'm sure it's not just like point A to point B. You know, I'm sure that there's intuition that goes into reading a palm. So I would love to hear about your story. I would love to hear about kind of the history of palmistry itself and then um, what you consider, why you consider it to be so important. And I would love for you to share with us a little bit about my palm. <laughs> I think yeah, definitely. I am very excited. Uh, and it was so amazing to hear your story, too. I love hearing about other readings people have. Because uh, it, one, lets me know where they are now compared to when they had their reading and lets me know a little bit about their experience and where they come from with palm reading because uh, it shows, you know, how open someone is and how interested and curious someone is about their life path. Um, so I love sharing all of that. I'm excited. Beautiful. Before um, keep going, wait, you just said, you just said something that made me think of a question. So sure. if I was to come to you every three years and get a palm reading. Would my palm change over time? Yes. Uh, so uh, I actually had someone, a few people come back to me because they had big life changes in the last year. So I usually tell uh, someone the soonest you can come back is every six months. Um, and sometimes people will want to come back sooner and I'll do a reading, but there won't be as much change so my suggestion would be every six months every year so if it's like a birthday reading some people like to do birthday readings so i think that's a really good suggestion because when you receive a reading it's not so much saying you know your your path is set in stone this is it this is what's going to happen in your life it's more of a check-in and it's more of a, a guidance of saying this is where you're at if you don't like what you hear you're very welcome to change it you're very welcome to change your path uh, and so a lot of people might hear something or see something on their palm, maybe it's related to health, maybe it's related to their career, and they say, you know, the next week, the next couple of months, uh, maybe they think about it, maybe it's sort of the seed is planted, and they're like, well, I'm not really happy with what I heard, so maybe I should make some changes, and then a year later, it could be totally different, so. Amazing, mm -hmm. okay, amazing, thank you. I just was like, wait, <laughs> I was blown away by that, those kind of changes show up in your palm. Okay, continue, I would love to hear more about you and how you found this work. Sure. So uh, it's a little bit of a long and winding road um, roundabout story, but 
Um, if I could start with just framing out my childhood, I think that that really sets the tone for everything. So growing up, I was always a very imaginative kid. I was just naturally intuitive, not understanding what intuition was. So it was very confusing. And I'm sure that a lot of people listening and you have gone through the similar experience of um, seeing things very differently and then kind of being shut down by, you know, friends or family members of, well, you know, that was okay when you were a kid, but you're a little bit older now. So it's time to grow up. It's time to move on. So that was, you know, a little bit of what happened. Um, and I was, I, I was raised in a house with my parents, but my grandparents raised me for the most part. And um, my grandmother was just a very romantic person. She, my grandparents met uh, right before Pearl Harbor was hit during World War II. So it was very much this romance story that I heard growing up of we met and then a week after Pearl Harbor hit, uh, we got married and then your grandfather went off to war and this was in the Philippines. So it was the Philippine version of this, you know, typical US romantic war story. And um, so she loved to tell things through this very positive romantic lens. So I was used to hearing things in that way. And she was also very, a very open woman. And uh, we spent a lot of time in nature in, in the garden. And um, she always would listen to me, we would have our conversations there. And um, was very understanding of maybe how different I was before I realized how different I was. Um, I would say things like, um, you know, is everyone safe just out of nowhere? And then she would ask me, well, why are you saying that? And then she would go inside and maybe make a phone call to check on people because you never know, you know, or um, I would know this person's going to call, um, you know, we should be near the phone and, and little things like that where I just had a feeling and I would say it because I didn't know any better. Um, and so in school, I, I, I never had a hard time making friends, but I was always um, kind of very overwhelmed, I think. I loved learning and I was very excited to be in school. Um, but then when recess hit, I was really frustrated because I didn't want to play. I wanted to keep learning. Uh, and at recess, um, you know, different kids would come up to me and just kind of unload. Um, what was going on in their life uh, on different levels. So while it might not have always been a very serious topic, it was just a lot for, you know, one kid to hear different things. So there were days I would come home from school and I would feel really frustrated or overwhelmed and um, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't really understand why it was happening. And, and you know, if uh, I think on... Um, I did another interview and uh, I said, you know, if I had gone back to that point in time, I probably would have understood and listened a little bit more. But at that time, I didn't really know. And so I love to read at recess because that was my way of kind of learning, continuing my learning and shutting down. Um, so I would check out books from the library and I would sit at the playground and sometimes the teachers wouldn't let me. But for the most part, they were OK with it because I was having fun in my own way. Um, so one weekend uh my grandparents took me to a garage sale and they always let me buy one item and so this one weekend in particular always comes back to me where i found a it was like a replica necklace that someone probably bought at a museum of a um, athens coin like an ancient athens coin with on one side is the owl and then the other side is athena 
And so I picked this coin up and it was like, I found treasure. I felt like Indiana Jones and this was like my discovery. And then I was going to be a famous archeologist and I made up this whole thing in my head. And um, I kind of asked around about what it was about. And then I checked out this book for recess the next week about ancient Greece and um, mythology and, you know, the afterlife and, and, and the in-between. And that was my first introduction uh, to something outside of my bubble growing up. Um, it was uh, just knowing that there was more out there was so refreshing and it made me feel so much better, I think, of myself and where I stood at that time. I didn't feel so other. And um, so that was, that was my first deep dive into everything. Um, what, what was I going to say next? See, losing my train of thought, as always, glad that I have my notes in front of me. Um, so that was really a way for me to connect to life and death differently, I think, and our path in life differently, because it was viewed much differently than, um, you know, what I learned in my Catholic Christian household. Um, and I never really felt connected to that. So feeling connected to something, I think, is, is very important for everyone. I think everyone hits that point in a different time in their life. And, um, and that was my first way into it. Um, so my grandmother would play different games with me, I think, at home. And uh, just being very imaginative, I loved it. So we would play guess who's calling game. Every time the phone would ring, she would ask me to guess who it is. And it was kind of like the psychic card thing, like guess what's on this card, which I, I'm not good at that. But um, I could always guess who was calling and she loved it. So she kept doing it. And I think it creeped my mom out. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then um, she, every once in a while, and I didn't remember this until last year, but every once in a while, she would talk to me about palmistry. And I didn't know it was palmistry. She would talk to me about the main lines on your palm. And she was not a palmist. Uh, she learned from someone in her neighborhood growing up and um, in her early adulthood that would come house to house and read the family's palms. And so, um, which I just learned all of this last year. But she would teach me about the basic lines of the palms. And I think that gave me... A, a better lens of understanding emotion and understanding what was being unloaded on me and understanding what I felt without knowing that other people weren't feeling these things sort of like in this empathetic way of just sponging in all of these things. So I was able to analyze and put and kind of, you know, add some logic behind what was going on. Um, and I think my mom also, she must have shared this with my mom, and I'm not sure if she, my mom remembers growing up, but we had books around the house that were probably picked up at just the local bookstore of, um, you know, Palmistry 101 mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So I, as a child, there were a lot of pictures because it was just pictures of palms. So I was so interested and it was easy for me to pick that up. And that was just my early lens of palmistry. Um, and then as I grew up, I dropped it because I was told this isn't okay. This is a form of divination. We were going to church every Sunday. So, you know, hearing from church friends and classmates, oh, that's devil's work. That's not, um, that's not appropriate for you to do anymore. It's not a game anymore. So I kind of let go of all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I didn't pick it back up again until, um, until I met my fiance uh, in grad school. So we met in school um, actually, much like my, my grandparents met in college. 
So, um, which I think is, is really, I didn't think about this until yesterday. Um, and she, on our first date, uh, we were classmates, but then we went out um, for dinner one night during a late night <clears throat> studio session. And uh, I, I, I used to, on first date, say, can I see your palm? Mm -hmm. And usually people would be really creeped out or they would think nothing of it. And then, you know, it would be one or two dates and then it wasn't important anyway. Um, so she was so intrigued. And I loved what I saw in her palm, just a very warm, caring person, very close to family. And I don't think, um, besides just doing it on dates, it hadn't really been a part of my life. And she was so intrigued. And she very much saw palmistry as, a, as my gift, as a way of seeing people differently. And so I think she mirrored that back to me and kind of reminded me of why I was so interested in it before and a way of channeling that because at that point in my life I was very much just working um, I was living in New York and it was grinding all the time I didn't have time to really focus on my inner thoughts at all and I didn't realize that until moving away from New York but now that I'm able to step back and see that um, my life was just all about work and and the external so um, Slowly, she kind of started, for lack of better terms, um, pimping me out as a palmist to friends at parties. She was like, look what Paula can do. Look what Paula can do. Let her read your palm. Give her your hand. And I'm like, this is so overwhelming. Um, it's never a good idea for me to drunk read palms at a party in college. Um, it's, it's not as helpful and it's not as intimate. So um, don't ever ask me to do that. But um, it was a good way for me to get started and to get over this um, uncomfortability that I had with being open to other people. It was kind of opening myself up again, which I hadn't done in a long time. And I had no idea why I felt so good about it. Like something just sat right with me. Where at that time, I, I, I wasn't thinking of things in that way. I was just my head. I was just looking straight ahead. I wasn't really thinking about anything beyond my day to day. Mm. And so something felt like it wasn't there. Um, so we, uh, I was kind of doing that here and there um, for friends. If someone would ask, if it came up in conversation, I would say, Oh, I can do this. And then I stopped all of 2020. So this was just for a few years that I was dabbling again and I was loving it. And it felt good every time that I would read a poem and I could just talk with someone about what they wanted. And it was like that little kid at recess, but I knew what to do with it. Um, and so the first two poems that I read were, um, it was an, an Instagram reconnection of a college friend. Um, and she had mentioned something about learning palmistry. So I messaged her and I said, I promise you something I can do. We never talked about it in college because I kind of shut that off. But if you want to discuss it, if you want any book suggestions, I'm happy to connect with you um, and talk to you about it. So she reached out, said, I would actually love for you to read my palm. And she's across the country. So I said, well, okay, maybe you can email me some pictures. I think that might be enough. You can just text them to me, email them to me. And so she did. She said it was very accurate. And she said, well, can you read my wife's poems. So I said, yeah, sure. This is great. I'd love to. I was very honored. I was very humbled by it. I didn't really know any accuracy to what I was doing at that time. It was just half intuition, half um, reading what was actually there, a little bit of nervousness mixed in. <laughs> and so after that, they said, wow, this is great. Then 
that was it. Right. And then I went to bed that night and, um, uh, went to sleep, woke up, uh, usually just to go to the bathroom. And then I went back in bed and I felt like someone was there Mm. and I, um, I, I thought that I was half asleep. So I kind of just laid down, relaxed again. And then there was just this, um, uh, this voice all of a sudden on repeat. And I was just like, I felt like I was having a hot flash. Like I was very hot. And, um, this voice on repeat, um, was just saying, trying to teach her to help him. And I couldn't move my body at all. And I was freaked out. Of course, I go to the worst case. I think, oh my God, I'm having a seizure. This is it. Like I don't, I can't, you know, tap my fiance who's next to me to let her know something's going on. And then as soon as I reach for, try reaching for my phone, I can move and I just put it in my phone and I go to sleep and I wake up the next morning, almost forgetting it happened. And then I, as soon as I remembered, I reached out to the girl that I read the day before. And I said, uh, cause we were talking about spirit guides. So I said, well, does this sound to you like this could be your spirit guide? I don't know how to tell this to you. I hope you don't think that I'm crazy, but I think I have a message for you. And so she said, that does not sound like my spirit guide. And I said, well, okay, well, there, there goes that friendship rekindling. And uh, she said, but I think I know who this is. I'm going to talk to my wife. So apparently the person that was speaking to me was the aunt of her wife who was talking to her about something that meant something to her. I had no idea what it meant at all. Um, And so she said, well, thank you for reaching out to me. I'll let you know if anything comes of this. And the next night I go to sleep again, wake up, the same thing happens. But it's this whole other message. And it's just talking about, um, it felt like it was more of an, like a different energy. It felt like it was a hot again, which was confusing for me. So I was just really hot, um, didn't know what was going on. And it felt like a game of charades and it was very playful. Um, and I have no other way to explain this except it felt like a game of charades because it was, can you guess what this means? Can you get to it? Um, can you understand like, and then it, there was like a smacking on the back of the head. And um, basically she was just trying to tell me a story. And then the same thing on repeat happened where she said, can, she, can you remember or can she remember? And so I wrote the whole experience down and shared it the next day. And apparently it was very relevant to this person who I was sharing it with. I said, this is what she told me. I don't know what it means, but hopefully it's helpful to you. And so um, after that, I didn't really know if I was a pomace. I didn't know if I was medium. I didn't know if I was going crazy. I was feeling very insecure um, and didn't know if I was maybe doing the wrong thing in reading palms, or maybe it was the very right thing. So I only confided in a few people this is what happened to me this week. I don't know what this means, but um, it's really exciting and felt this presence with me all week of this um, woman's aunt. Wow. And yeah, it was just, it was amazing and it was frightening and I was scared and I had no idea what was going on. And so in my head, I was thinking, well, that's it. I, my experience of mediumship up until this point was like Cleo. Like I thought that I was going to be some hotline psychic because I had no idea what was going on. And um, 
And so I just kept kind of meditating on it and putting it out there. You know, is this what I'm supposed to do? I just went to grad school. I just spent a lot of money learning a whole other kind of skill that has nothing to do with this. Mm -hmm. um, how can I use this to help people? And, um, and then all of a sudden I went, I was walking my dog and this huge gust of wind kind of came and, um, and just said, well, she's not ready yet. And then it stopped. And this was last September. And after that, I said, I'm going to keep doing palmistry. I think I, I need to put this out there. And just even if it's a hobby, um, because this can be my way of helping people. I was at home. It was we're still in lockdown, but it was in the middle of lockdown. Uh, I'm not a frontliner. I felt like I had no way of helping people, guiding people. And I felt very lost just being a work from home nine to five person at the time. And so it, I was very excited to have the opportunity, but I think I was so frightened at that time that everything just kind of shut off. And I had no way of, of doing that besides reading palms. And um, as soon as I started my Instagram, it just felt like this gigantic community opened up. And I'm sure that you also understand that. Mm -hmm. Just feeling this warm embrace of, okay, like here's, here's some of your people. People understand what you're doing. People want to hear your message. And, and for me, palmistry is, is just this humbling experience of being able to connect one-on-one -on -one with someone and guide them through whatever they need at that moment. It became something very much outside of myself where I could, you know, forget about what was going on with me and just open myself to someone and be able to, to guide them with whatever question they had, or maybe just give, give them what I see in their palm and let them run with it. Um, so I know that was very long winded, but um, I, for it some reason, like, sorry, go ahead. Well, it all comes together. I'm glad that you think so. Yeah, it does. It all but, comes together. I mean, you know, it's interesting because I'm always curious as to how people go, like what drew them into the work they do. And for some, it's, you know, I was 25 or I was 30 and I had this huge awakening or I went through a breakup or this, this whatever event happened. And it's interesting because your story mirrors a lot of my own and I find it fascinating. I totally can relate to that that relationship, that connection you have with your grandmother and how she was kind of helping. Um, it's almost like she wasn't putting the thoughts into your head, but she was playing with the thoughts you already had or the skills you already had and seeing where, where you could take it. Mm -hmm. And my, my grandmother as well taught me the energy healing work that I do. So it's like, That's my so grandma funny. has this funny saying that she thinks it skips a generation, like the, um, <laughs> The, I don't know, like if, whether it's like the gifts or the spiritual tools or what the belief, right? Whatever it is, uh, she thinks that it skips a generation. So it's funny it's how so funny. Yes, your story totally reminds me of mine, and there is such a beautiful connection between us and our grandmothers, and kind of them helping us pave the path to get to where we are today. And I, I really love that. So thank you for sharing. What's interesting to me is to hear you talk about too uh, a couple of things it feels like you were so drawn to ancient Greece for a reason. I'm sure you might've had past lives there. Do you think that? 
Yeah, I think so. I was actually talking to Ashley, my fiance, about this yesterday because I was kind of walking through what I was going to talk about today with her because I said, okay, I know that sometimes I go to this place of verbal vomit. So can I just run through some bullet points with you and you tell me if this is too much? Um, and she said, I wonder if you were in ancient Greece with my father in a past life because um, her dad studied in ancient Greece. Um, they're Chinese, but he went from China to ancient Greece. Um, and studied there, and he has this fascination with it too. And we always talk about ancient, uh, like Greece together. And I've never been, but I've always felt connected, totally. Yes, when you say that, I just get these chills. And what I want to ask you too along that, um, do you think you've had a past life of being a, a palmist? I've actually never thought about that. Um, there, I have never done um, with with a practitioner past life regression or anything. I've, I've never done that, but I have done a few self regression, um, like experiments kind of, I don't know if I did them right. Like, I don't know, but I had these deep experiences of a few past lives and none of them, I was a palmist. None of them, I was Christian. So there was just this underlying belief. It was more of like a pagan past life or, um, you know, um, ancient civilization past lives where it was more of like gods and goddesses. But I've never experienced me as a palmist. I don't know. I, okay. I, have, a, I have a feeling I was a healer at some point, but I don't know to what capacity. Yeah. But um, they're just feelings. No, no confirmation. But. No, that's fine. I hope that wasn't too personal. It just made me no. think about it. Um, with the work I do, I don't know that um, I was necessarily like an Akashic record reader. Mm -hmm. I do believe I've done similar work, right? Like maybe it wasn't mm -hmm. like that specific, but yeah, it just fascinates me too. Like hearing your story, I'm just, I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, I had another question I wrote down here. Sure. Do I see? Oh, yeah. It's kind of, this is what I gather from your story. It's almost like you're, you've always been intuitive. You've always been able to read energy, right? People pick that up about you. These little kids knew that about you or else they wouldn't have felt comfortable enough to go to you and share their stories with you, right? Mm -hmm. Like this kind of empathic, sensitive, intuitive little girl that I'm imagining you to be, right? Or that I'm like <laughs> yeah. in my head. And it probably was easier for you to not go play with the other kids because you're already overwhelmed by the energy around you. Why would you want to expel more energy around other people? So I think yeah. it's people that you knew at such a young age intuitively that what you needed was to distance yourself during that mm -hmm. 15 minute recess. What you needed yeah. was to distance yourself. How beautiful to be so in tune. I don't think, uh, I feel like kids are very in tune, but I feel like a lot of them just try to live up to the expectation of what they're given, right? So mm -hmm. I find that to be like a beautiful part of you growing up and knowing what was good for you and what you needed. Um, and then how that you weave that into this almost psychic awakening. It, it sounds like almost the psychic awakening where all of a sudden you start reading palms again and it opens this door for, and I don't want to call it like quote on the other side unquote, but it feels like that, that practice of palm reading of starting that practice again, open this kind of door for information to flood in from this other realm, from this other place. Mm -hmm. And that would be so scary for me. I'm just saying I can go into the records and become kind of a medium, but to just be laying in bed at night and to have 
that happened to me, I would yeah. be scared because it's a, a boundary issue. So one thing mm-hmm. is like, this is my own personal space. You know, this is my home. I want to feel safe in my home. It would almost be, this is what it is for people who are like, oh, I would love to be able to have that happen to me. What I want yeah, to no. get, yeah, what I like people who don't have experiences like that might think it would be something interesting to go through. But what I think it is very similar to, it would be like someone opening your front door mm-hmm. coming into your house while you were sleeping. It's Absolutely. the same kind of intrusion. And um, yeah, so I think the work that you do, kind of that opening door, and it's so beautiful that the wind came and was just reminding your world, your experience, any other spirit or being that was trying to communicate to you, telling them, hey, she's not ready. <laughs> Calm down. Like, she's not ready. <laughs> And I don't know if it was the same person. It kind of felt like it felt very different, but, um, but I had no idea what was going on that week, but yeah. Confusing. So confusing. Yeah. It was so it's still confusing. Yeah. And so but. tell me, is it accurate that it, it feels, cause what I, I have had these almost weird, I have had many dreams where there would be ghosts and not ghosts, but just earthbound, earthbound spirits that I, I work with. I, I worked, I do this work all the time where I'll have earthbound spirits in my apartment. And it's not that I'm fully awake and present, but I'm in a dream state. And because I'm not in my body in that dream state, I can see them. Oh, and interesting. it's almost one of those things where I'm going, Hey, um, what are you doing? This isn't your home. Like, do you need help getting home? Right? Like, do you, yeah. <laughs> do you need help getting home? Like I can help you with that. And so when I wake up, I clear my apartment, I clear my home because I'm, I've, I've been in a state, not in the body to be able to see what's there. And so, um, yeah. So do you agree that it is that experience is like someone opening your front door and just coming in? Is that what it felt like? Yeah, it, it totally felt like that. And I think I, I didn't, um, and I, I, now that that happened, I hear about similar experiences, uh, maybe not exactly the same thing where, um, you know, you're told to just say to whoever is there, this is not appropriate for you to be here. Or can we do this another time and just kind of put that message out there? But it totally feels like that. You know, I imagine if I woke up to an alert on my phone that, um, you know, my front door camera went off or something like that. Right. It was the same kind of feeling and it wasn't a threatening experience it was like if your friend just opened your door kind of rather like than a shock. like a, almost an interesting yeah. shock like no matter who it was it would still be almost like you're in my space <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah exactly here right yeah yeah so it doesn't you're it does not have to be scary but that initial contact can be especially if you weren't aware especially if it was your it, your first time having it happen you know like trying to understand it yeah so um I, I guess to kind of frame it out too, it, it wasn't my first experience with, I mean, I don't consider myself a medium in any way. So mm-hmm. I don't want to, I, I don't want this to turn into, well, you know, now Paula's a promise in a medium. Like I, I, <laughs> right. That's not my place. I don't feel like that. You know, I, I can't help you with that. But um, uh, when I was a child, another thing my grandmother would kind of um, listen to me about is like, I would kind of know when uh, someone was in danger when I said, um, you know, like, is everyone safe right now? Um, there were a few times that I, I kind of had a feeling someone passed away in the family mm-hmm. and, um, a few, and in my family, this, when someone passes away, someone says, did they visit you? Did they come to you in a dream? And this kind of superstitious way of looking at things. But, 
um, there were a few times as a child, and I hear this a lot with children, and then they grow up and, and they kind of grow out of this. And I don't know if this is what happened with me or if I shut it off, but there were a few times where I did experience loved ones coming to me, but it was never a message. It was always just, oh, look, there, I see them. They're right there as a kid. And it was just very light, uh, more imagery. Or it would be in a dream. Um, kind of like what you're talking about. It would be more dreamlike than a very direct message. So yeah, it was my first time where someone was giving me a direct message. And there was no visual though, where before there was more of a visual. And that's all it was. And it was very much the reverse where it was... Um, words and feelings and um, like I cried at one point without knowing where that came from and smells and I think smells have been a big thing mm. weirdly um, but that, that's been it it has not happened again and I don't know if it was just very important in that point in time for that person so yeah and um, also just not to wrap that up but also just to say like who knows where you'll be in five or 10 years, right? Like who knows the work that you're going to be doing. So mm -hmm. um, when you're ready, if that is work you want to go into, you'll be ready when the time comes to do it. But for now, I think it's really important to know you're not ready to put the boundary up and to know you're fine where you are. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think they were right, whoever they were. <laughs> right. I, it's like almost you had like a guardian angel or a spirit guide being like, okay, guys, go somewhere else. She's yeah. not ready. You're overwhelming her. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I, awesome. I just wanted to dive into that more because I find it really fascinating. Yeah. Great. I want, I'm curious. So, um, palmistry itself, we're going to get into kind of more details of it, but I'm mm -hmm. also curious if you know any of the history surrounding it. Sure. Um, I love history. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of touch lightly on this because you can really go into it and, you know, it's questionable as to what is accurate because it's seen through a certain lens, right? So um, I think where, where it really starts is that um, people have always been interested in, in pants. Pants have always been this symbol of um, like a signature, right? Of saying, I am here. So our first not really recording, but our first experience in, in prehistory of seeing hands is on caves because that was our way of expressing and that was our art. So uh, you'll see caves in Spain or in South America um, of palms alongside of maybe um, animals that are painted onto walls or um, like, you know, landscapes or stories. Um, and they're all different. So it'll be a little palm, it'll be an adult palm, and it's just this beautiful combination. So I think that's kind of where it starts of people knowing the importance of their hands and understanding that they're more than just a body part because we're not putting our foot on a wall. We're not, you know, like rubbing like our whole body pressed up against a wall. It was always a hand. And um, so that was 10,000 plus years ago. And I'm sure that it went on way before that, but that's what we know. And so about 4,000 years ago, our earliest sort of recordings in, um, you know, recorded history of palmistry um, record the origins in India and in China around the same time, which I think is really fascinating because they're used for totally different reasons, but kind of a similar way of reading the hand. So um, in India, it's Vedic palmistry 
and uh, they uh, I, I'm not as familiar, so I can't really share too much about what Vedic palmistry is, but it was just the study of the lines and more about um, you know what's going to happen in your life, maybe your family and um, guidance. And so um, that's what was happening in India. And then in China, um, a few things. Um, palmistry was mainly used as sort of a diagnosis. So doctors and um, you know any sort of um, healer would look at the palm to see if there were markings for any health concern. And it would be their way, one of the ways that they would guide someone towards a certain type of herb or any kind of medication that they would um, mix up for them to heal. Um, and also, um, what's interesting is the, the lines on our palms change all the time, like we talked about earlier, but our fingerprints stay the same, which is why, you know, in the US where we are, we use them as identification. Um, and um, in China at that time, emperors would use their thumbprint to sign very important documents. Mm -hmm. So it was an identity um, relation there. And so they understood very much the importance of the hand. Um, and then from India and China, um, palmistry spread through the Middle East. And, um, you know, during um, all the various wars and nomadic people would kind of go through the Middle East. And then that's where we kind of get this, this notion of the gypsy as the palm reader, um, which you see in artwork a lot on my Instagram. I like posting these depictions mm -hmm. of different people reading palms um, in art throughout time. And, um, while uh, palmistry was traveling through the Middle East and um, through to through to the West, different famous people in time um, and he's famous like their historical celebrities like Aristotle picked up palmistry and passed on. This is and this is totally a story that I've heard. Who knows if this actually happened like this? But I like to kind of imagine um, this is the little girl again coming out. Imagine that Aristotle then found this palmistry book and then kind of ships it to Alexander the Great and is like, look how cool this book is. I think that you would really love this. Why don't you use it as your battle tactic guidance? And so Alexander the Great was a huge, huge fan and enthusiast of palmistry apparently and used that to guide his conquering. Um, and then up until the Middle Ages, palmistry was just a normal part of life. And then um, the church shut it down. It was a form of divination. Uh, they said, this is not okay for you to do. Palmistry is a sin. And from the Middle Ages, so like, I don't know, like a thousand up until 1500 um, to the Renaissance, um, it, was, it was just a no. Like you were not supposed to do it and it was wrong. And it was very much underground. And I think at that time, the keepers of palmistry were those traveling groups of people were, you know, gypsies, if you want to call it that. And um, they continued it. And that's how the reputation of palmistry being something that these old cryptic women would do um, came from because they were the only ones who felt that it was okay because they weren't part of the church really. So um, in the Renaissance, they started recording it in paintings, and it was a fascination. It was an enlightenment of palmistry is a science. And palmistry is something we can use to understand the human body, the human form, um, our gifts. Um, and it's an art. So it was started being seen as a good thing again. 
um, and not being as much underground. And then it wasn't until the 19th century, so like the 1800s, that it started becoming um, a literal science. Like the Victorian era, people would study it at university and, um, and apply it to just normal meetings with people. And there were books on it. And uh, I think one of the famous uh, pharmacists, Cairo, who, that was his nickname, um, William John Warner. And he, I think how I like to imagine him is he was just this very enthusiastic personality. He was like a celebrity who people gravitated towards. And he was a pharmacist, and he was very good at it. So that's kind of how it became popularized. He made it kind of this celebrity fad. I mean, that, I don't want to word it like that, but it became sort of this cool thing that, you know, yeah, <laughs> that people could do and they could go see him and it was amazing and he could tell you your whole life. And um, I know Mark Twain went to see him at one point mm -hmm. and was like, oh, it was incredible. And he really, you know, he really like showed too much of me and I'm embarrassed now, but it was fascinating. And so that's kind of how it came, came back. That's awesome. Wow, what a history. You know, I also found it fascinating when you're talking about how, well, the church has condemned so much, right? But the, the connection between you growing up in a Christian household, but incorporating palmistry throughout growing up with your grandma, and how you just told the history of how, you know, the church has a history of condemning palmistry and saying that it's like sinful. But yet you were able to kind of weave it into growing up in a Christian household. And I find that to be really beautiful. And actually, I find that to be healing in a way. Mm -hmm. Be healing almost that throughout history that that kind of combination wouldn't be allowed. But now it, it was. It was okay to have both. And it was, seem, it was seen as something fun to do, not something sinful. Right? Mm -hmm. so I find that really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've never awesome. thought about it that way. That is fascinating. Yeah, when you're talking about this, I'm just seeing that link of like how that could be healing for, because if we zoom out, how that could be healing for palmistry and the science of palmistry, how mm -hmm. far we've come, right? Like I'm sure, you know, back in that middle age area, if, if you were to, to be a palm reader in a Christian family, you would have been outcast and shamed and who knows mm -hmm. what. Right. Yeah. Today mm -hmm. you can be and still be a Christian or still be, you know, whatever, whatever you want to be. So that's awesome. Wow. Thanks for sharing. That was really fun. Yeah. Alrighty. So my other question I had for you, and we've touched on this a bit, but I think we can dive into it a little bit more. We chatted about this before we came onto the call, but I want to just go back into it because I think it's important about how, how people uh, kind of categorize this kind of work, categorize what is palmistry, what, are, what is an, a, an intuitive reading, what is this kind of energy healing, and so we try to categorize it. Do you feel, and I know there is an, intu an intuitive aspect when it comes to reading a palm. It's not just going from point A to point B. Like, I'm sure if I was to get a palm reading from five different people, there would be differences, right? And, mm -hmm. But there wouldn't be differences if it was like doing <clears throat> math 
and just measuring a line on your hand. So talk to me a little bit about that. How would you, what would you consider palmistry to be and how it's moving us forward and how maybe in the future, what do you think palmistry is going to be? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I, it, it's so interesting. I'm always so stuck in history that I never think of, you know, where is it heading in the future? Because that wasn't too long ago that it was okayed again. You know, it didn't get a stamp of approval for history until recently. And it's still a little taboo, obviously. But, um, and I think uh, something that's very interesting is when palmistry started, it was not a form of divination. It was seen as a science, like we talked about. And so now, because the most recent history frames it as such, as a form of divination, and it is considered a form of divination, um, that's how people approach it. Um, but I do believe that, and I know other palmists see this, and everyone has a little bit of a different opinion, but our palm is like a map of what is inside of us. It's, our, it's, um, it's just our interior makeup. and um, it, is a map of yourself and your life path and um, and it can change over time. So it's, it's not really like this map. You don't go into this, you know, I'm bringing up Indiana Jones so much, but it's not like you go into this cave and you're an explorer and you find this ancient map and that's it. And that's your whole life story. It's not like that. It's more of like a Google maps where it just updates over time when, you know, a satellite comes over and it's like, Oh, looks like they made some changes you know, like looks like they're eating a little bit better. Let's, let's switch up this map a little bit. Um, and recently I have been connecting it to, and I know that I've seen a few palmists connect palmistry to more relatable modern things so that it is approachable for people. Um, and for me, I'm an interior designer. Um, like my, my, normal weekly job. I, I don't read palms full time. Um, that would be amazing. Um, but I do love what I do, um, which is interior design. And so um, palmistry is very much like a floor plan. So our hand can be a floor plan of what's going on on the inside. And so it's our interior design. It's our interior makeup. And this is something that I've just been exploring more and more lately. Um, so if you think about it, like, you buy a house. It has X amount of rooms. It works for you for a little bit. And then you decide, well, you know, I kind of want to open up the living room to the kitchen, which is a big thing now, like open space plans, open floor plans. I just want to open this wall up. It's kind of like saying, well, you know, like I, I want to travel the world. And so you get these travel lines on your palm and they pop up or just the curiosity. I've been seeing a lot this year People have a lot of travel lines because everyone has that itch to get out there again and no one can do it to the capacity that they used to. So it's just funny. Um, but basically, it's just your tool. It's your tool to see what you have at the time, see how you want to change it. And I think uh, moving forward, to answer your question, I would love to see palmistry be a tool that is taught to people more. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that looks like a course in college, like an elective, or if it's um, you know, like a hobby that you can pick up, like, like painting or like an instrument or something like that. I would love to see that. And I, would, I have been getting a lot of requests for, uh, from parents um, to read their children's palms. And I was always kind of taught in the background 
that, you know, oh, like, I don't know, it's, you know, there's always the danger of reading a child's palm for this or that reason. And like, one being you don't want to tell them this is what you see, because then they'll be stuck with that. They'll mm-hmm. think, oh, I heard from this person that I'm supposed to do this. You don't want to put the idea in someone's head at too young of an age that this is what they need to be. Um, and also, a lot of people still see it as a taboo thing. So you don't want to introduce something you know, so terrible to a, such a, a moldable mind. Um, but I would, I would love to see palmistry be a tool for children to see their gifts early on as just a, a launching point. And just that, you know, just a launching point to see what their strengths are, what gifts they were given in this lifetime, because how amazing would that be to learn from a very early age, oh, you could be a really wonderful teacher, or you're so intuitive, you should practice that more. Or um, I can see that, you know, maybe you would really love painting, you know, maybe you would be good at that. Or maybe you would really love science, you know, and just kind of be a nudge. Because it's so confusing, especially now, to have so many options available to you. And especially in this last year, I've seen these wonderful parents um, or guardians who are at home with their kids and they're taking lessons on Zoom and everything's on a screen, but it also opens up so many more opportunities for them. So that's a blessing and a curse, right? Because on one end, you have more opportunity to try different things that aren't locally available to you, but then on the other end, there's way more that's available to you. Mm-hmm. So that's also part of history too. You know, like 2,000, 4,000 years ago, you didn't have technology like this. You didn't have all of the options we have. And now it's a little bit muddied. You don't, you have so many options. So why not use, you know, your maps to know where to start? Your maps. I love it. Use your maps. And one thing that's interesting too is if health shows up on your hands, how amazing would that be to learn about palmistry just from a standpoint of looking and going, what's my health? What Mm -hmm. is my health like in my body? Let me look at my hands. Um, That's like, that makes me really curious about health and the future of health and what that looks like. And one thing that palmistry reminds me of, the more that I'm hearing you talk about it and learn from it, it actually reminds me of astrology. <laughs> like it's almost like the stars, the map of our stars are written in our hands in a way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, actually in palmistry, and I know this is it's a podcast and I know we have the video, but it's a little hard to explain, you know, like with just words, but to sum it up, um, your palm has different mounts and different areas that are named after the planets, actually. So it is, yeah. And um, some people will use astrology more in your hand. And some people will say, well, it's just the planets and that's it. Don't make it about the zodiac and all of this. And, um, but it is related to the planets and it's, it's, more of the personalities of the planets, if you will. So um, like you were saying um, about your palm, you know, you have, uh, was it Jupiter? You mentioned Jupiter. So I, I was told that I would have two children and one of them would be affected or from or influenced by Jupiter. Even, I still, to this, that was five years ago and I still have no idea what that means. <laughs> so uh, I can't tell you exactly what he meant, but it, okay. to me, to me, that sounds like um, your Jupiter finger is your pointer finger. So this is the Jupiter mount, and that is the mount of um, leadership, 
of um, healing. So, um, so it, I mean, not, not of healing, I'm sorry, of teaching. So, so maybe your child will be a teacher, maybe he'll be an important leader who will teach us about something, or he or she, um, he, she, they. But yeah, um, I, I just think that's fascinating. I usually don't read about children on the palm, so I always think it's interesting when people see that. Right. And so would Vedic astrology use more, or sorry, would Vedic palm reading use more of astrology? I actually am not that familiar with it, so I'm not That's okay. sure. I was just wondering because I know Vedic astrology, right? So would that, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I would love to learn too. So. <laughs> How about we get into it because we're chatting about it. Are there any examples you could share with us? I know I sent you a picture. So for everyone listening, we will have an actual Zoom video recording on YouTube that's posted. So if you have the audio pulled up right now and you want to switch to the YouTube version, I'll leave the link below and that way you can actually see uh, what Paula is showing us. Yeah, all the hand motions right. going on. <laughs> and the to, to the hand part. Yeah. So what would you like to share for some specifics? Maybe something fun for whoever's listening to go. You could tell them to look at whatever line and see what they see. Yeah, so I'm going to use you as an example. Um, surprise, but not surprise, right? Um, so I asked Brittany to send me her palm because I was guessing she would have a line that I wanted to share today on the podcast. Uh, and I was right. <laughs> she has um, this beautiful, beautiful line I love to see called the sister line. And it's not about sisters. The sister line is sort of a guardian angel line or a, a spirit guide line. And so I guess for the YouTube version, I will hold my hand up, but I will describe it. So this is your lifeline, right? Which is here. Everyone's lifeline looks a little bit different, but it's the line that um, kind of goes around where your, your thumb is. And if you Google it too, lifeline will pop up. It's the line everyone is like, when am I going to die? Which that's not what it's about. Um, there's a thinner line that's on the inside of your lifeline sometimes called the sister line. Um, and Brittany has this line and it's basically this beautiful line that shows that someone is watching over you. Are you talking and, about that one? Yes. So this yes. is the life and then this that's is the lifeline. Line, and I have ink on my hand, so ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> There's the writer in you, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and so sometimes people will have one line. Sometimes people will have multiple of them, and they can be long, they can be short, and they can correlate with different points in your life. Maybe there's a point where you needed a little bit more support and guidance. Mm. Um, they can be on your left hand or your right hand or both hands. So, um, and, and it just means, means that you have sort of a guardian angel watching over you or a spirit guide or several spirit guides watching over you could also mean that you have a wonderful connection with your spirit guide. So sometimes they see this and someone knows very much who their spirit guide is and they re not rely on them, but they are able to connect and ask for guidance from them very easily. So seeing that line means you have that potential or you already do it. And so of course you do it, that this is your, your life's work. So I think it's really beautiful. You have that on your palm. Yes. So um, for anyone who's listening or anyone who's watching, I think that that would be a really great line to see or to have. And so if you don't have this line, I don't want you to think I have no 
spiritual connection. I have no spirit guides. That's not the case. It can um, just mean that maybe at this point in your life, it's not something that your spirit guides think is necessary for you to know. You know, I mean, it's however you want to interpret it. But I think in just seeing the line, um, it's just that extra reassurance. Wow, very cool. And so with lines like that, would it matter if a line looked like it went deeper into the skin or if it was lighter? Does that actually change the message? Yes, it does change. Um, I don't know if it so much changes um, the message, but it can mean maybe you have a deeper connection or let's say that sometimes lines will start very strong and then you know, get a little bit lighter as they go on or vice versa. And um, I think at different points in time, maybe you feel more connected or less connected, or maybe you're not as grounded at a certain point, maybe because you're stressed. So, um, so yeah. Well, so cool. All right. Thanks for sharing. I'm, I'm, I'm hooked. (laughs) I would love to kind of wrap up this beautiful episode today with asking you to share with us what does it look like for PS for palmistry um when are you going to start taking bookings again because i will be one of your first to book for sure so excited uh, to read yes do we have a website do we have somewhere we can go to find out this information yes so um I am taking a little bit of a break um, for April and through March, I was taking a bit of a break. And then um, the beginning of May, I will start taking um, booking readings again. Um, So I have on my Instagram May 1st. So hopefully that's how it goes. Um, And I only have an Instagram right now, but hopefully by May 1st, I'm working on putting together a website. Um, I just keep getting asked for people who don't have Instagrams, how can I reach you? So my hope by that point um, is that I will have a a website and an easier way to schedule bookings with me. And right now, I so I know some people, some readers do um, Zoom um, meetings where you're on Zoom and you can kind of discuss the palm and they pull up their screen. So if that's something you're interested in, I'm happy to give that suggestion for you. I know a lot of wonderful palmists who love doing Zoom readings. Right now, because of my job, I'm not able to have normal office hours. So I do my readings through PDFs and I will ask you to send me your palm and then I will send you back a two to three page PDF reading that's very um, intensive um, and shows you about your personality, any questions you have, a little palmistry 101. Um, So that's how you can get a reading from me right now. Great. So you kind of will overall, starting in May, look at the palm. Are there, now do people need to tell you what they're looking at specifically? Do people need to go, hey Paula, I can't wait for my session. I would love for you to look at health, relationships, career. Like do they need to be that specific with you? So you don't have to be, but I have a little questionnaire that goes out when you book um, that asks, um, I like to ask more questions than less, um, which sometimes people get overwhelmed with, but I think it's very important. So I ask, is there anything specific? Do you have specific questions? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I let you know if I can't answer the specific question you send before so you're not waiting and then I don't answer it. So I let you know in advance. And then I also ask, is there anything that you don't want me to tell you? Because since it's not on Zoom and I, it's not in person, I, 
I don't, I want people to know in advance, I'm not going to shock them with anything, which usually is not the case. It's not like a, a shocking kind of thing. It's more about who you are, but um, I don't want people to be scared to come to me for right. a reading. So um, I give that option. Usually people say, just tell me everything. I want to know all the dirty details, but um, you have the option of not hearing something. That's really good. Yeah, great. You're like, you can have boundaries. You can have boundaries during this. Yeah, it's important. See, boundaries. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Awesome. So Paula is on Instagram at p dot is for palmistry. And then do you want to share your email right now? Um, yeah, you can if you want to reach out to me. Uh, my email is the same as my Instagram. It's p dot is for palmistry at gmail.com. Perfect. So it's like the same. Yay. Same thing. Well, mm -hmm. We look forward to May 1st or whenever it is that you are ready for that. Cause I know it's like two jobs. I know it's, is that extra workload? <laughs> Trust me, I get it. So whenever you feel ready, I'm excited. Sign me up and just thank you. Thank you so much for sharing this time with me today. Thank you. This was amazing. It was so fun talking with you and sharing this part of my story. It, it was, I think, very healing for me just to get it all out there. Um, and it was wonderful to hear about your story. I can't wait to follow along and, and hear more and, and read your palm. I can't wait. Me either. Can't wait. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing, right? I told you, amazing. So what a fun conversation. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Again, go show Paula some love. Go show her some love over at P. is for palmistry. And wow, just can't wait for that palm reading. I will keep you all updated. And I'll see you next week or in the next couple of weeks with our next episode. Thanks for being here and have a beautiful day.